I'm Dr. Joanna Smith, one of the Associate Editors at Evidence-Based Nursing, and I'm also a lecturer in children's nursing at the University of Leeds in the UK. So this afternoon, a big thank you to Dr. Kirsten Davidson, who will be discussing her commentary on a mixed methods study that explored the potential role of maternal and child health nurses in delivering childhood obesity prevention services. It's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Davidson, who's Associate Professor of Nutrition and Social and Behavioural Sciences. So, I wondered if, Dr. Davidson, you'd introduce yourself first to our listeners. Sure thing. Um, So I am, as mentioned, I'm an Associate Professor at the Harvard School of Public Health. My research really looks at approaches that families, particularly parents, can use to encourage the promotion of healthy lifestyle behaviors in children and then ideally um, help protect them against the development uh, of obesity. So thank you. I wondered if you could start off by saying why you really became interested in um, different approaches to tackle childhood obesity and why that's the focus of your work. I think there's um, this dates back a ways, probably 15 to 20 years when I first actually, I'm originally from New Zealand, and when I first came to the States to do um, graduate work and actually child and family development um, at the time, and it was really, um, you know, very noticeable to me as I came to America just how many children were overweight, and we were starting to interview children for another project, a project that I was working on at the time. Yeah, this stood out to me back in the early 90s. Uh, New Zealand is actually in a similar position these days. So obviously we haven't done a good job of addressing this sort of on a global level. Um, But that really sort of uh, triggered an interest in this, and I was working with families at the time, um, trying to understand what role uh, parents could play in helping to stop this this trend we were seeing. Yeah, it's certainly become a large Western global problem. So you very kindly reviewed a paper for us about um, obesity prevention services. So I wonder if you could just start by highlighting what you thought the strengths of the study that Dr. Laws and her colleagues undertook were. Well, I think this study was, you know, I think it's sort of set under the premise that in order to really do a good job of addressing the obesity epidemic, we really need to start working through all sort of mechanisms to reach parents and building this into everyday sort of clinical practice um, and public health practice. And so sort of from that sort of perspective, their goal was to reach out to and speak with uh, maternal and child health nurses working in Victoria, Australia, and ask them questions around the extent to which they are, you know, regularly measuring children's heights and weights and using growth charts to classify whether the child um, met the sort of mark for being um, overweight or uh, possibly even meet the obese definition. The uh, recommendations and discussions they're having with parents around feeding children healthy foods um, and then also sort of active play in children and screen time, all of which we know are sort of behaviors that can place children uh, at risk of becoming overweight. So they really wanted to, um, so they did surveys with about 50-something nurses and then followed up with interviews with a subset of these nurses to learn more about the extent to which they're doing these kinds of things in sort of their everyday practice. I think you're right. I think a lot of people are doing things that were not necessarily enhancing the actions from 
everyday activities. Right. Um, so what do you think the limitations of a study of this type are and how can that be rectified in future studies? This is one of the first studies I've seen of this nature. And so, you know, when you... It's a, a beginning point in answering a larger question. So there's still pieces of a larger question that the study can't possibly answer. Mm. Um, but probably the, the key limitations or things that can really be built on in future work are that um, it was a relatively small number of, of nurses, about 50-something nurses. It was limited to um, Victoria, Australia. Um, and so I think the key things to build on is to really to expand the number of sort of maternal and child health nurses were asking these questions to and to do it in different contexts because you know, Australia is one particular context in which they may be working with, with families but the systems may be set up quite differently um, in other settings in other countries um, and so I think we need to gather this information more broadly. Yeah I think it's always difficult to just wholeheartedly transfer studies of this type to different settings. I think that's mm -hmm. an important point. Um, so I wonder if you can just go on to what you think the important findings of the study were. Well, I think the you know a, a number of things stood out. It seems that while um, measuring children's uh, weight and length or, or height and weight is sort of part of general practice of the nurses, the, about one in five nurses weren't following up and using and converting that and you know using the growth charts with that information to then you know classify whether a child is really at risk um, and then to open a conversation with parents um, should their child be identified at risk. In regard to feeding children, healthy feeding practices such as the you know breastfeeding, the timing of introduction of solids and so forth, that um, most were counselling around those topics and felt very um, comfortable doing so and considered it a central role in what they were doing. So they seemed to be doing quite well in that area. The two other areas that really were less commonly addressed um, were around active play. So only 40% of nurses were uh, speaking with parents about the necessity of active play and how to go about promoting active play in children. And then only about one in three nurses routinely spoke with parents about the, the importance of placing limits on children's screen time, the extent to which they uh, you know, watch TV and used media-based devices such as iPads and so forth. Mm. So you know, those two particular areas, and they felt much less confident in speaking with parents about those particular areas. Yeah, I think they're really interesting points, and particularly within nursing, it's about acting on the information you gain from any kind of assessment and sometimes nurses aren't particularly good at making judgments and basing actions on the information so they're really right. important points from the study. What do you think um, the practice implications are and what could be done based on these uh, findings? I think there's um, a, a couple of implications, one of which is that obviously we, we still need additional sort of training around the use of growth charts, how to integrate them into practice on a consistent basis. I know that, for example, 
programs that I've worked with over here, a lot of things are moving to electronic medical record systems. And so clinicians can receive prompts when they um, counsel parents to ask particular questions. And then when they enter the children's weight and length, it immediately comes back with prompts if the child is classified as being overweight. So I think um, sort of a two-tiered system, one of which would be to increase training for nurses around uh, use of the growth charts and how one could possibly use growth charts to open up a conversation with parents about the child's um, well. Weight and the extent to which it's healthy, um, because nurses are kind of nervous about broaching a sensitive topic. So I think um, growth charts are charts a way to sort of legitimise that conversation and make it much more concrete. Then, and then to support that being part of regular practice as much as possible, sort of building it into protocols. If they're using electronic record systems, that there's prompts around these kinds of things that could ensure that it's being uh, consistently implemented. And then probably the key take-home uh, implication of this is that the nurses really um, often reported not having easy access to educational resources around mm -hmm. these particular topics. And so if we could develop a set of, um, you know, standardized or, you know, brief, to the point, clear um, resources that the nurses could readily get access to and use them as a basis with which to open up a conversation with parents, I think that would help to promote more consistent practices uh, in each of these key areas. Mm, thank you. I think information technology and the revolution we're all going through, this area is really ripe, both in terms of information for health professionals, but I really like your idea about triggers that prompt you to do something, because most right. electronic records are, go are becoming electronic, and that would right. be a really good tool for busy professionals. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so, uh, we know obesity is a big um, problem. So what further research is needed in this area? I know it may be difficult to cover in a short period of time, but what would you think the key priorities are for the future? I think some of the key priorities for the future are strategies to try and make this standard practice across a number of settings. Um, for I was actually just come out of a meeting with um, childcare providers um, and they're required to, um, what they have, what's called family advocates within this childcare setting, and they um, are required to reach out to parents and speak with them on a monthly basis. Well, we were talking about doing something similar for these family advocates mm. and that they have access to these same kinds of resources and then can have these conversations as well. So we need, uh, you know, research around strategies to engage sort of multiple sort of public health clinical sectors at the same time and trying to have them mm -hmm. using similar messages and how you go about ensuring that that can be done consistently um, and collaboratively and, and so forth. Um, I think there could be a lot gained mm -hmm. from that kind of approach. Another area, actually, that I, I think we're really missing a lot of information is a mm -hmm. little bit of a sidestep is on the role of fathers. Yeah. And so... We actually have very little information on what role fathers can play in helping to promote healthy lifestyles and children mm -hmm. and what sort of the interplay, the back and forth that might be happening between mothers and fathers around feeding children, for example. Mm. You know, I think we need to know this in order to provide the appropriate messaging um, and, you know, to bring fathers also into this conversation. Mm, yeah. So we're nearly coming to the end of the podcast. If you wanted our listeners to take away one key message, what would it be? 
the key listeners being nurses, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Would be to, I guess, make sure they're aware of the key recommendations around um, sort of diet, physical activity, and screen time, um, and that they're comfortable and have easy access to growth charts. Um, and yes. if they're not really comfortable with this, that they reach out to gain the information that they need to ensure yes. that they can start to do that consistently in their practice. Great. So thank you very much for your insightful discussion on today's topic for our Evidence-Based Nursing podcast. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and there's a wealth of additional information on our Evidence-Based Nursing website. So please do access the information to inform your practice. So thank you all for listening. Thank you.